Welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have with us special guest, Jamie Schreier. Jamie, for one, he's a physical therapist and he's a best-selling author, speaker, and CEO of Practice Freedom U, a business training and coaching company. He has his book called The Practice Freedom Method that has helped scores of private practice owners treat less and earn more and enjoy life they deserve. And that is going to be a topic that we're going to go into today, which is looking back on your 2022 and then seeing how to improve your 2023. And then also what we're going to be talking about is network marketing. I think this is a big avenue that a lot of you possibly have heard or already doing, but you don't even know you're doing it. So we're going to explain what that is. But I just want to welcome Jamie to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Nathan. I appreciate being here. Thank you for coming on. So Jamie, for listeners that don't know you, can you just give a quick little background about yourself? Well, I mean, as you mentioned, I'm currently the the CEO of Practice Freedom U, and our company is a uh, business training and coaching company. So we work with different practice owners, and we help them really accelerate their success, do it with less bumps and bruises, so they can get paid what they're worth, but also have that quality of life, that balance of time. Too many times that I, you know, me as a, a as a physical therapist, former practice owner, it's easy to work. I mean, it's easy to work 60, 70 hours a week, but that also has a toll. So what I've learned over my years is, is how to actually create a very successful business that delivers amazing services and helps so many people, but doesn't trap or enslave the business owner. Yeah, I think that's a big thing is, is uh, boundaries around your staff, boundaries around yourself and your personal life as well. You know, like when you go home, cut all ties to work if you can't, right? <laughs> to a certain point, but just leave it there and leave it at the door. And when you go into your your home and say you do have a wife, maybe you're living with your girlfriend, husband or fiance, whatever, you're being present in that moment. Absolutely. Okay. So let's let's go into what I said before about looking back at the 2022 to looking forward to 2023. I mean, we're already through a month of 2023 and it's already creeping up on us. So for the listeners that are listening, like, what advice would you give them to how to look at the past and then to yeah. improve the, the future? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, the greatest teacher we all have is our past experiences. And that kind of sets the premise of whether it's looking back at 2023 or looking back at the last month, or even looking at a patient that you treated. It really doesn't matter what the thing is. The idea is you can look at a particular event, a thing that happened, or you can look at a time frame. So 
the way you do it with a time frame, for instance, 2022, you would start by the positive things that happen. Uh, the world can be a negative place and we can all be caught up in the whole negative world. But by starting with the idea of what progress did you make? What milestones did you achieve? What we call it wins in our, our world. What wins did you have? By starting with that, first of all, it makes you feel good that it wasn't a, a total disaster. I mean, even during COVID in 2020, there were still wins that happened in people's lives. It could be, hey, well, I, I learned how to do telemedicine. I didn't do that before. So it's all about looking at things in a different perspective. So that's how you do it. You start off with the wins and then you look at things like, well, what did I struggle with? What was a problem? And you're writing these things down. You want to capture them. You know, the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again, right? And expecting different results. By becoming acutely aware of the challenges that you have, you then can ask the third question, which would be, well, how did I handle them? So you could have had a challenge of, you know, we really are struggling with getting consistent referrals. We're struggling. I'm struggling with becoming profitable. You know, my profit is nowhere I want to be. I'm having difficulty hiring. Okay. So that's something that you had a challenge with, but how did you handle it? So this is where you really have to start telling the truth. I believe all progress starts by telling the truth. The first person you have to tell the truth to is yourself. What did you do about this? It may be you really didn't do much or you tried one particular thing. Oh, I put an ad on Indeed and that didn't work. So I, hiring doesn't work. So by getting clear on what you did, you then can go to the next question, which is, so what did you learn from this experience? What were the takeaways from 2022? Or what were the takeaways from January? Or what were the takeaways from how you visited a doctor? Or how you did other, some other type of marketing thing? Or how you're handling your finances? By really capturing the lessons, the lessons become the teacher. And then, of course, the, the final step into kind of the debriefing or reflecting back is, so what are you going to do moving forward that you've learned from last year? This is how people make exponential growth, Nathan. We always sit back, we wonder, how are people like growing so fast? How are they doing it? They're doing it because they're quick at learning what they're doing. They're not perfect. They're making a ton of mistakes, but it's the difference between the people learning and the mistakes and then applying a different perspective or a different strategy that all of a sudden gives them a tremendous advantage in, in some of the results that they're getting. So that's what I teach my clients. I've been doing this now 10 years, just coaching other clients, let alone being a, <laughs> being a student myself for many years before that. When I started learning about this idea of reflecting, and then I created a, this model, this format of debriefing, I just saw the results in my own life and my own business just start to really get momentum and start growing. Yeah, I think that's great. So can you break it down really quick again? So list your wins. Yeah. So wins, 
challenges. How did you handle the challenges? Lessons learned. Lessons learned. And actions, action steps. Action steps to go into 2023 or whatever year we're in. How do you, yeah, how to use what you've learned and these lessons? What are you going to do differently? How are you going to use this in the future? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned like hiring, which that is a hard thing that was happening last year because a lot of people were just, you know, staying home. They didn't want to go back to work. So with hiring, what are some like, let's say key adjectives or things you're looking for in, in a good hire? I think right now, and the hiring problem's not going to change. Yeah. You know, I read something in the New York Times that talked about, we are now not just entering, we are knee deep into the baby boomers. There's 70 something million baby boomers that are now retiring. So they're leaving the workforce. The next group up the Generation X group, which is my group, there's only 40-something million of us. You're talking about a net 30 million less people in the workforce. So when you have a country of 332 million human beings in the United States, they all have bodies that break down. You have infinitely more people that need our help than there are people that can provide the help. That's number one. So the idea is there are still going to be challenges in hiring people, even though there's so many more people that, that are out there. But in the at least the, the physical therapy world, there's only a small percentage that actually come to us. But that's a different problem we can talk about later. The real question that people have to ask is, why should someone work for me, right? Why should someone work for me? What separates me? What am I about? The research is clear. The research says that people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They don't have to accept just being just some job, working 40 hours a week. Yes, for the people that are listening right now, before they say it, but Jamie, what about money? Yes. You have to pay them fairly, but you're never going to be able to pay them more than the next person. And if I don't believe that people just care about money, at least that wouldn't be the person that I hire. People want to be a part of something. So the real question, Nathan, is you have to start with, well, what are you about? What do you stand for? What is the vision of your company? What are the values that you hold dearly? You see, a lot of people don't do this work, at least the people that I've talked to. And if you don't do this type of work, you can't communicate that. And if you can't communicate that, there's no difference between you and the person down the street, which is frustrating because there are differences between you and the person down the street, but they're not being articulated with people. So that's the place we all must start is doing some of the work that says, well, what is my vision? What values do we hold dearly? What is the type of person that would be a best fit here? Not just hiring anybody with license and a pulse. And the pulse is optional. That, that used to be my mentality is you give me any therapist with a license and the pulse, and I don't even care if they have a pulse, as long as I can build. Well, that doesn't create a really great culture in a team. So there's a great saying that, that I follow that's called hire for traits and train for skill. 
it's more important now to really focus on the traits of the person you want working for you. What are those traits? What are those characteristics? We can teach anyone skill. They can take continuing it. We can teach them. But if someone doesn't value time, in other words, you're an on-time person. You like to start your meetings on time. You like to start patients on time. You show up to work early. If you're one of those types of people, which I am, I like to be on time. It crushes me when someone is chronically late. It kills me when someone shows up for their patient 10 minutes late. It kills me when someone is late for a meeting. In other words, if that's someone's value system, that doesn't work for me. I don't care how good they are. That won't work. It will ruin the culture that I'm trying to create. So that's just an example. And there's other traits and, you know, depending on the position you're hiring for. So if you take, Nathan, if you take that approach and do some of the pre-work, you're then able to take your values, the type of person you're looking for, what's important to that person. And you start putting it into a job post that becomes much more intriguing and stands out more than all the average posts out there. Now you're separating yourself and creating people, uh, creating more intrigue in the position you're offering. Yeah, I think that's so well put because a lot of people, they don't see the vision. And I've seen this go wrong with businesses where it's like, you're literally like in a black room and you're just walking straight. You don't even know where you go. You're like, you could be walking in a circle the whole time. You don't even know. Cause you're just in this like dark room. You're just like, well, I'm supposed to be going forward. I don't know where forward is, but I'm going, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if people don't know any better, they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So if, every, if, if, you know, we, we talk, we, we talk about this in physical therapy that physical therapy, whether you want to believe it or not, is a commodity. It's a commodity. PT is PT. Coffee is a commodity. Starbucks is not a commodity, although there is a Starbucks pretty much everywhere. So if physical therapy is viewed as a commodity, meaning eh, it just seems, you know, really, there's really not a difference, then it's up to us to separate it. It's up to us to stand out and not make it a commodity. So if a job working for you is no difference than working for someone else, then you're just a commodity. You're just another job that's going to pay pay them a salary to do stuff. So it's our our job as, as business owners or directors of HR or what have you, it's our job to take what may seem like this job is the same as this one, as this one, and make it unique and special. That's what our job is. And if we don't do that, then we can't blame that we're not attracting good people or we're not attracting any people because there's plenty of people out there. Now, there's not as many in the workforce as there was. So we have to get better at attracting people, but there's still people that we can hire to to help our our, our clientele. We just have to take more of a responsibility to define what separates us and start looking at some of our candidates as we're trying to really sell them on why work for us 
Whereas in the past, especially before COVID, that was never really the issue. We didn't have that problem. We have that problem now, and that problem's not changing anytime soon. So we got to take another step up and looking at our hiring and how we do it in that fashion. Yeah, I think that's very, it's very important to look at it that way. And then to make sure that, you know, if you do have a mission or uh, a goal for the practice or business that you have, that the people you're hiring are on board with you towards that goal. Because what could happen is if they're not on that time, that, that goal, and they're kind of in their own space, there could be like an impasse at one point and one can go this way and one can go that way because what could happen say this because you're 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 a practice owner maybe you know and you're handling behind the scenes and you do have a therapist that is taking kind of the reins or like the gm of the practice at the time or say you're in a box gym whatever and say the person is they're like why isn't nate seeing you know patients you know what is he doing and then they start to kind of revolt on you and it's like well you're not seeing what i'm doing on the back end like i'm talking to all of our and we're going to get into this network marketing or referral partners you know i'm, we're, I'm yeah. talking to billing and all this stuff things that you don't see that they're doing which brings up a point for something if that is happening, is it a good thing to kind of like how we're able to uh, observe, you know, a firefighter for a day or, or a police officer for a day? Should you do that with your staff, you think? You mean when hiring someone? Yeah. Like show them what you do. So it's like, oh, okay, they're not just sitting on their butt at home. Is this part of your hiring process you're talking about, Nate? Or is this part of the, they already work for you? They already work for you, probably. Okay. Well, I think that's important that if you believe in lifelong learning as I do. So lifelong learning is one of my values. I never stop learning. I never feel like I know it all. I'm always growing. I believe that. The people that work for me have to believe that as well, or you're not going to work for me. So now we have two people that believe in lifelong learning. So it would make sense to have some type of training and learning environment whether that's continuing ed, whether that's internal training, whether that's possible shadowing, it, it's all based on the value that we believe in continuing learning. So if the answer is yes, which you know, I believe many people believe that, then it's a matter of, well, how do you demonstrate that in your place? One option could be that every once a week, I do shadowing Wednesday where people will shadow me and I'll take them through how I go through an evaluation or something like that. So that's how my perspective is when I'm looking at whether you put in place a particular uh, training or shadowing, you have to take it a couple steps back to determine how it's in line with your company, what you're about and where your company is moving towards. And then you just choose whatever the best way to demonstrate that. In this case, it would be, you know, setting up a shadowing or something for your staff or something like that. Got it. And then so we talked kind of a little bit about network marketing. So let's let's go into that. Let's go into first off, what is it? What is that? Yeah. So I, I kind of refer to it as relationship marketing. I kind of came up with that term. I imagine I'm not the first person ever to come up with the term, but the idea was 
people get very, um, they love the digital aspects of things, right? Digital marketing, more specific, like Facebook advertising marketing or Google or email campaigns, like all the dish, social media, like there's so much digital stuff out there. But what never goes out of style is the fact that everything we do is about building a relationship with someone else. And there's a great quote that one of my mentors shared with me. He said, Jamie, the rules of relationship are not suspended in the digital world. Meaning the rules of relationship, creating rapport, engaging with someone and speaking, just because you're doing it through an email or a post or something, you don't all of a sudden just forget all the, the things that we would do in person. And yet, how many times a day do you have someone reaching out? Hey, Nate, do you want to connect? Sure. Hey, Nate, can you buy my crap? Can I grab a half hour of your time? You don't know me, but can we jump on a call? Because if that's what's the best interest of me. I mean, it's like the whole dating metaphor. It's like you meet someone at the bar. You're like, hey, my name is Jamie. Hey, by the way, do you want to go away with me this weekend? I mean, I'm going to get a drink thrown in my face. But yet... In digital world, online world, too many people are operating in that fashion, which then makes it difficult for the rest of us to actually create genuine, authentic relationships. And what now is becoming the not the norm and what's separating people is when you come across genuine and authentic. So this idea of relationship marketing, it's about creating a genuine, authentic relationship with someone else. That's it. So then how do you do that? Well, this idea of connecting with people and networking with people. Well, we're specialists, right? Everyone listening here is a specialist. Specialists are typically referred to somebody. It doesn't mean that they can't come directly to you, but typically... And I have this happen to me, I don't know how many times a week. Hey, who do you know that treats back pain? Who do you know that focuses on runners? Who do you know that's really good with car accidents? I just had someone, a neighbor of mine, uh, just yesterday reach out and said, hey, my son had a fall a year ago and he's having a lot of problems. What do you think the question was? Who do you know that's really good with helping someone that's had an accident like a fall. So then now I'm in the unique position of being a referral source. And referral sources can come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Yes, doctors are naturally great referral sources. And there's lots of different types of doctors. But there are also non-doctors that are referral sources. People that have influence over your target audience, the people that you want to see. So the idea behind relationship marketing, or I call it direct outreach, some people can refer to it as network marketing, although a lot of times that takes on a different, a different kind of view. Um, but this idea of direct outreach is reaching out, connecting with someone, getting to know them, building rapport, and seeing how you might help one another or how you might help them or collaborate with them. 
And Nate, it's as simple as it gets. What's not simple is we have trouble communicating and talking with people sometimes. We feel uncomfortable. We're not sure what to say. We're nervous. Okay, well, there's a way to get over it. And that's how to have more conversations. In the first five years of business, I did not talk to one doctor. Actually, that's not true. I talked to one doctor who ended up referring me people because I had in my mind, oh, forget doctors. I don't need them. They, they, they just, you know, they don't care. Like I came up with all these stories. And then someone challenged me on it and said, well, Jamie, if these people have your audience, then if you built a relationship, you'd get someone that could refer to you consistently. So what if you just reached out? And I had a lot of doctors that kind of rejected me. They either didn't return my messages or I showed up. They didn't want to speak to me. But then a couple did and a couple more and a couple more. And my business quadrupled. And I got the lesson of learning how to handle someone not wanting to work with me. And I think that's the biggest fear, Nate, with people wanting to connect with people. It's the fear of rejection. I get it. But you know what? It's a fear. So you can get over the fear now, or you can stay broke with a lot of open spots on your calendar. So that's the, the kind of the, the, the template or the format of relationship marketing is determining who your influencers are, people that have influence over your target market, the people that you want, and reaching out to them. How to determine what the best way to reach out to them reach out to them, generate rapport using some rapport strategies, and then looking at how to learn and understand more about them and seeing what you can do to best support them. That's what I do right now. That's what you did with me. You initially reached out to me, right? And of course, I do what I normally do. I said, meh, I'm not dealing with this. And then you came back and you connected me with someone that I knew. You're like, Mm -hmm. hey, so-and-so gave me your name. Well, guess what? That works in a lot of places, bringing other people that know you. So that's another way how you build your referral network is asking people, hey, who do you know that, you know, might be a good fit for me to talk to? So you can expand your network. Now, all of a sudden, you and I have a little bit of rapport just because I know Dave and you know Dave. Then we got on a call And then you started asking about my business and me. And then we came up with what what would be really helpful to me. Well, I'm trying to get the word out. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to bring people that can provide your audience with good stuff. All of a sudden, there's a relationship there. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't complicated. Mm -hmm. And I imagine you do that on a regular basis. That's relationship marketing. Yes, yes. That's exactly what I do. But so something that you brought up there was perfect because I think people are always scared of like breaking through the noise, not sounding salesy or anything like that. And it, because there are those people that are like, basically, like you said, trying to take them home already on like the first message. And it's like, can we like have like a coffee first, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, that, that, you know, that's a, that, that could be a problem. I've never really met that in the, in our world. Mm-hmm. I haven't met a, you know, I'm not saying I have it, but 99%, we don't come off salesy 
No. So to me, I think that's just more of an excuse for you not to do it. Yep. Because if you're not a salesy person, which I haven't met too many salesy, you know, physical therapists, and if you're genuine and authentic and care for other people, which we do, well, then you just have to show up with that, with that Men? presence of yeah. caring for the doctor or the referral source in front of you and trying to discover, you know, what they're about and see if or how you might be able to work together or help them. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, one of those strategies to break through that noise is, is thinking about who do you know that knows them and mentioning that person. Well, hopefully that person, if they did reach out back out to the other person, they would be like, oh yeah, I know Nate or, you know, like he's a good guy or, you know, would uh, be a good representative of you. I think that is a great way to break through the noise. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ways to break through the noise, which is, I think, just relating to the people, like just getting down to their level is usually a great way to uh, create that rapport. Well, you know, I call it the uh, give a crap strategy. Like when you're looking at, well, what strategy I can break through the noise? Well, you just have to give a crap. And when you give a crap, your message will come off differently. So whether you're doing a, a LinkedIn message or a Facebook message or social media message or some other social media message, or it's a email or it's a stop by the office, it's really all about how you show up and whether or not are you there for yourself? Are you there for them? Because people can see the difference. They, especially online, you can see the difference. One of the strategies that we teach at Practice Freedom U, we do this exact strategy, right? You know, we call it an email marketing strategy. So it's a strategy based on relationship marketing, but it's, it's, it's chopped up into multiple emails. Each email is designed to build rapport and trust and to provide value for people. Ultimately, it's designed to, hey, I'd love to get a conversation with you. But just like dating, I don't do that the first date. I say, hey, it's great talking to you. I'd love to talk to you again. It sounds good. You want to grab lunch? All right. You want to grab dinner? All right. You want to go to a movie? So what you're asking for, and this is the biggest pet peeve I have. Oh, this is kills me. What you're asking for has to be in proportion to the amount of trust and rapport you have with that person, period. If you get rejected, there either is not enough trust built or they just don't like you. Yeah. So our job is to practice, increase our skill and our capabilities of how to build rapport quickly. Which is interesting, Nate, because what do we do for a living? We treat patients, which means we build rapport very quickly. So what is the problem with transferring that over to potential referral sources and referral partners? And outreach, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I used to do in the clinic was to build rapport was, I was like, hey, how's your weekend? You know, And then I figure out what they do. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, you sounded like you watched the the game. You know, we have Super Bowl coming. Who, who are you rooting for? Oh, okay. Then just keep building and building. It's like, oh, actually, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh fan. Oh, did you did you live in Pittsburgh? You know, like, and you start to to peel the onion 
I like to call it. Yeah. And, and it's the exact same way that when you go in to see a, a doctor or, or a front desk person, it's the same thing. You're getting to know them, their interests. Now, one thing that I always recommend is do your homework. You see, when you're, when you're meeting the patient for the first time, you're kind of doing your homework because you're already seeing their chart, right? You're already seeing their file before you, you know, so you have an idea who they are, where they live, who referred to them. I used to do that all the time. Hey, so let's see, you saw Dr. Smith. Oh, love Dr. Smith. So now I'm giving a little shout out to Dr. Smith to reinforce to her that Dr. Smith made the right decision referring them to me. Like these were automatic, but then I realized these are all rapport strategies. So you use these same things when you're building relationships, but it does take practice. Some people are more outgoing in the ability to read people and engage. Other people, it takes a lot more. For me, I'm an introvert. It's taken me a lot of practice to learn how to better engage people. And I'm, you know, I practice you know, I continue to practice. So, but like I said, in the very beginning, there's 332 million people in, in the U.S. There's not a lack of people that need help. So in this particular marketing strategy, make relationships with people that can send you lots of people. One relationship, lots of people. Boom, right there. I think that was perfect explanation. And and a great way to kind of almost end this podcast. First, I just want to thank you for coming on, Jamie. And so my listeners know, actually, you know what? Before I even go into that, even when I'm interviewing people, like what I do, and I'm, I'm just going to tell the listeners about like, you know, relating this back to podcasts a little bit is even with you interviewing you, I go listen to other podcast episodes you've done, other speeches you've done. So I think of other questions that you've never answered before. I love that. Because then <laughs> what it does is you stand out as a host and the person thinks like, oh, wow, I've never been asked that. And then they kind of maybe have to think on the question, but also you're memorable because no one has asked that before. Yeah. So segue to this part, which is, we're going to bust out these things called pod decks, Jamie, and they're just three random questions that help us dive a little more into you. So if you were to walk around your home right now, what clues does it reveal about what you love? Uh, let's see. It would mean I, uh, my wife and I loved entertaining. We just redid our house. So uh, we put an addition on. So you would uh, certainly see a house that is... Uh, comfortable and inviting. We always want people to feel comfortable and inviting. So you would certainly see that. Nice. Let's see. What is your favorite thing in the room right now? In the room right here? Yeah. The favorite thing in the room right here is actually my uh, bell. So here, I'll, I know the listeners can't see it. Do you see the bell? Yeah. So that bell has a particular purpose, I believe, in celebrating wins. So every yes. time we sign up a new client, I ring the bell. And it's funny because no matter where my wife is, because I work from home and my wife is a, a stay at home mom, she would always shout from wherever she is. She'll hear the bells. She's like, yay. So we like to, we like to celebrate our wins. I do that too. I have this hype button. Yep. 
then I hit this and then my wife knows. And then, <laughs> and it's funny though, is my, my mom actually gave me this. She's like, you, you need to celebrate the wins. And you know, and, it's, and she's like, anytime you make a sale or anytime you have something significant happen in business, I want you to call me and hit the, hit this. Absolutely. I was like, so it's so crazy how just that little bit of support can help push someone further. For sure. I mean, anybody that's in business for themselves, it's lonely, right? I mean, after this call, you're, you're in your house. It's just you. You're not in some podcast convention. You're not <laughs> with all the guests that you have. It's just yeah. you. So we need to make sure that we're, we're putting things in place to keep our energy and our confidence up because all of us are in a confidence game. Business yep. is a confidence game. You lose confidence, you're done. So it's not so much how much you know, it's how can you protect your confidence? Hey, that's a good one. Okay. Next question. What gives you strength? What gives me strength? Reading books, connecting with um, like-minded people who inspire me, and uh, basketball. Basketball? Basketball. Did you used to play or? Oh, yeah. I've played my whole life. I play now three, four times a week. Basketball gets me strength, man. I love it. Gets me fired up. Okay. So you are in DC. So are you a wizard fan? I mean, professional, I guess so. Maryland, <laughs> Maryland, Maryland Turk fan for sure. Okay. Gotcha. So we're, we're right around the corner here coming up to March Madness. So you're excited? Maryland has a decent shot of, uh, of getting in. They're going to have to win a, another game or two, but they have a decent shot at making the tournament. I don't know how far they'll go, but you never know. Perfect. All right. So last question of the day. What thing that you've made are you most proud of? And that's it. Made how? Physically made? Physically. Well, I ain't going to be physically because... Uh, I can't make crap with my hands. I am not one of those handy, handy man that you want yeah. around that. So I'm not making some wood project or something. But uh, I'm really most uh, proud of you know what I created uh, with Practice Freedom U. It's something that was almost an accident. You know, I built my business. I struggled in my own practice for years, and I, I invested a lot and tried a lot and created a business that gave me a lifestyle that I loved. And then I shared my story and people started reaching out to me and I found my true calling. You know, I always knew what my calling was helping others, but I never thought I'd be helping other owners that could impact hundreds and thousands of patients, let alone staff and communities. So I'm most proud of, of leaning into that because I knew nothing about internet. I mean, I barely knew how to turn on a computer. So leaning into that, creation and that involvement and things have evolved over time. So I'm really proud of that. Perfect answer. All right, Jamie, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. So for the listeners that resonate with your message and they're like, Hey, I want to work with Jamie, or we can even talk about this. They want to get your new app physio connect. How can they do that? So the app Physio connect, it's called myphysioconnect.com. We have a couple of delays depending on when, when you hear this episode, but definitely check it out. But the app is really about how to almost automate, it's not totally automate, but how do you automate and streamline 
relationship marketing and direct outreach. So that's one of the biggest challenges that we have, especially as small business owners, is how do we generate referrals and build relationships? So everything I talked about you is actually built in in the app. So the app involves so many different aspects, the emails and the templates I've written for you. So uh, it's myphysioconnect.com. Check it out. I'm beta testing a free version, so it's no cost. Um, and then you can, you know, you can download it and just start playing with it right away. Uh, and it'll be amazing if you engage with it. I guarantee it will generate significant number of new patients to your clinic. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. And for the listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe for more. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.